Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Royal Care Podcast. I'm Carissa and by day I'm an employee engagement coach. When I'm not helping humans be better managers and build engagement with my team members, I'm building my own team with my rescue mongrel named Lady May. Through this podcast, it's our hope that you'll gain ideas and insights into fostering positive relationships with your very best friend. So we'll cover dog training concepts and give you bite-sized applications that you can readily apply. We hope to hear from you on what you would like us to discuss and thank you for listening to us. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Royal Tail Podcast. And this week we are looking at Hi everyone, thanks for joining us for another uh, episode of the Royal Tail Podcast. And in this episode, I want to talk about um, the second way of how we can measure engagement. Um, and this is and the second way is, my dog and I have the materials and equipment for us to achieve success in our training. Um, and so when we, talk, when we think about like materials and equipment, uh, you know, if we have a puppy or if we have a new dog, um, you know, some of the basic things that we should have is like a, like a dog crate. An exercise pen, you know, a, a, a flat collar, a leash, um, you know, these are some of the bas- basic stuff. I mean, of course, like a drinking water bowl or a food bowl, um, toys, um, and all these make up the materials and equipment that we have, um, you know, that we're going to be using um, with our dogs. And I want to talk a little bit about this because um, there's so many, like there's so much stuff out there, um, you know, that a dog owner can buy these days. Um, you know, that's marketed for a really cheap price. Um, and I'm not saying that there's something wrong in buying um, something cheap. I mean, I look for really like, <laughs> I look for like great deals myself. Um, but I want to say like for certain things like, you know, like a crate, um, an exercise pen, um, you know, and especially like a leash and a collar. Um, you know, I, I want to just, can I suggest that, you know, we think about like investing in those things because those are what I call like long-term usage stuff. Um, and if we don't really invest in those, um, uh, you know, we're not going to enjoy, you know, walking our dog. We're not going to enjoy doing stuff with our dog. We're not going to enjoy the process of having our dog. So let's start with the crate. Now, everyone, um, you know, and some of us might be like, you know, what kind of crate should I get? And, um, for us in Singapore, there's there's some pet stores that actually like give, um, um, you know, their customers a crate if you buy a dog from them. Um, and personally, I don't like those crates because they are actually, um, they have like like a grill bottom. Um, you know, so when you have like those grills at the bottom of a crate, um, personally, I don't like them because a dog's paws are actually very, intensi- are very sensitive. Um, and it's not going to make it enjoyable for them to like sleep inside and lie inside, okay, just because of the grills. I mean, it's, how would you like it if, you know, like you slept on a, like planks of like, metal like very thin like wire mesh um you know that's not really comfortable at all um so you know those while those metal crates are cheap uh, you know but can i suggest that those are also not very ideal because as a puppy grows you know it's gonna be chewing and i've seen like dogs chew out of their crates um and i've also seen like young dogs you know get injured in the process because um you know they're bored and so they start chewing on their like metal crates um, so can I suggest that you want to get a crate, preferably um, something that's airline approved? Um, and why airline approved is because, you know, chances of the dog, you know, breaking out of the crate um, is lower. 
um, it's gonna last you a longer time um, you know and a crate is gonna it's supposed to last you like the entire time like of your dog's life now I know that some of us are like we have big dogs like for me lady you know lady is a big dog and you know when she was a puppy um, you know, she wasn't as big as she is now and so you know you may not want to invest like in a really expensive crate and there are many like secondhand crates out there in the market that you can get um, you know in Singapore um, I would really you know recommend that you look at carousel um, there are a lot of owners like selling off their crates because they imported their dogs and um, or their dogs outgrew them you know and they're just you know they're just getting rid of uh, the smaller ones and if you're just looking for like a small crate, you could easily get a secondhand one for like maybe 50 Singapore dollars. And that's pretty reasonable. Um, you know, a medium sized one, you can actually like, you know, find it for a bargain between like 60 and 80 dollars. I've gotten one like at 60. Um, you know, when I was fostering, you know, I was like buying up crates from people, you know, because I, you know, I wanted to crate train all of my foster dogs. Um, and I've even gotten one, like a reasonable large size one for a dog that's probably, you know, about... Um, you know, that a golden retriever can get into for like maybe a hundred to hundred and twenty dollars secondhand. Um, and it was pretty new, like it had hardly any scratches or it had only like a couple of scratches on it, and that's fine. I mean, you know, we don't need like a really pristine crate. Um, you know, so I want to like encourage us to you know look into like a proper crate for our dogs because it makes a world of difference. Um, you know, like how the plastic is made. Um, you know, what it's made of, um, and these are going to, like, affect how comfortable the dog is in it, you know, and especially in Singapore, because we, we live in a very humid weather, um, you know, and most of the, and our, our weather here is just summer all, all year round, um, you know, we don't, you don't want to actually, you know, house your dog in something that's going to trap heat, you know, so you want to get, you want to invest in something that's good, something that's going to keep our dogs cool and comfortable, um, you know, and they're going to enjoy like sleeping inside the crate. And so for the crate, um, I highly recommend us, um, you know, to start tra crate training our dogs. I know some of us are really averse to it, um, that, but there are many, like, there are many, you know, like studies out there, um, you know, that show actually that crate, created dogs, you know, um, actually learn to uh, really be, you know, that impulse control is a lot much better, um, you know, they're a lot more calm. Uh, and also, if you have young children, a dog crate is really, really useful, uh, you know, because it's something that you can house the dog in and you can actually, you know, supervise the kids from opening the crate, um, you know, and there are certain crates, you know, that actually come with a lock and you can even lock it so the kids cannot get into the dog's crate without, you know, your supervision. Um, and those are, you know, really helpful things that we can look at. Now think about the dog's crate like a room, you know, like a bedroom for your dog, you know, and that's going to be like the place where your dog's going to sleep in, your dog's going to be able to rest um, undisturbed, okay. And I like to like leave my dog and leave it to rest undisturbed, especially after I train it, um, you know, and let her sleep out for like the next two, three hours because that's the time where a dog can actually process all that learning that, you know, we're, we're teaching to them and we're giving to them, right. Okay, and so the next thing I would get uh, really is an exercise pen. An exercise pen is just basically um, four squares of a metal, uh, like a metal gate, uh, you know, but it actually fold, like it actually, you know, stands up into a square. And um, it's actually really like useful um, for, for to give actually a puppy, you know, a sort of like a designated uh, um, roaming space, all right? 
Now, when we want to, when we have a new dog, I highly discourage us to actually give the dog the entire home, because freedom is something that um a dog has to earn, and we'll talk about that in another podcast because, you know, that would take like another half an hour to give you the reasons and the rationale behind why freedom is actually the 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 ultimate, um you know reward for a dog. Okay, and we also want to teach a young puppy like where it should potty, right? And by giving the dog like the entire house, uh, and for a small little puppy, um, you know that really is very overwhelming. So I like to put a puppy into an exercise pen after I've brought it to potty, and leave it there to you know to play and you know let the puppy enjoy you know uh, time out from the crate, um, and I'll leave the puppy there for like a good half an hour before I bring it back to its crate. Now, the reason why we put it back into its crate um, is because when puppies are younger, their, their bladders, you know, the muscles around the bladders are not very uh, well established or not very well. Um, uh, and so because of that, you know, and that's the reason why their potty uh, accidents are much higher. Now, if you have a, a smaller dog, like a multi-poo, you know, and these are little tiny dogs, now their bladders are going to be smaller, right? So you might have to take them out to potty a little bit more frequent. Um, you know, and adjust like you know their water intake along the way. Um, you know, give them more water. Um, you know, during the day when you are able to supervise them, when you're able to take them up for potties. You know, so that they don't soil their crates and the and the exercise pen. Now, the whole idea is to actually you know when we put the dog from the exercise pen into the crate is to teach the dog to actually um hold its um you know to hold its bladder. Okay. And holding its bladder is something that a young dog needs to learn. It doesn't like learn it like automatically. It's just like babies, right? Um, you know, and so when you have a young baby, you know, he has totally no control of its uh, bladder at all. And that's the reason why we put baby in diapers. Um, and while our babies actually learn potty at the age of three, um, for a dog, you know, it learns potty by the time it actually enters our home. And so for the dog, um, for a young dog, um, they can hold their potty for every month that uh, so it's one hour for every month that they are um, of age so if your dog is so if your puppy is two months old it will be able to hold its pee for two hours if your puppy is three months old it will be able to hold its uh, pee for uh, three hours um, and so if you're on this schedule <clears throat> then this is what i would do so if a, if a if a dog if a young puppy comes to me at three months um, you know i'll take it out to potty you know i'll put it into um, the exercise pen for it to play for a little bit for half an hour and then I'll put it into the crate for about close to I would say two hours and 15 minutes now 15 minutes before the actual potty time I, that's when I take the dog out um, you know and bring it to the grass to potty now why 15 minutes um, the reason is because I want to be early rather than late now if we actually take the dog out at the actual time that it's supposed to potty the, the poor dog is not going to be able to control its bladder muscles that long. I mean, if I mean, if you live in an apartment building and you have to take the lift down, you know, that's going to be quite a walk, you know. So you want to start like at least 15 to 20 minutes earlier, uh, you know, before you actually can actually bring the dog to, to potty. And that's how we set the dog up for success. Um, and the next item, you know, that we should be thinking about when we have a young dog is actually a flat collar. Um, you know, when Lady was really little as a puppy, you know, she was really skinny as a rescue dog. She couldn't fit even a puppy collar. So, you know, I got her a cat collar to begin with. And that's how I started walking her. 
Okay. Um, and I think a lot of owners, like, we feel like, oh, you know, when we have a dog, we need to bring our dog everywhere, you know, because we want to, like, introduce our dog to our world. So my suggestion is don't, do not bring your dog too far. Okay. The, the, you know, it's better to actually just bring your dog, like, downstairs your apartment and get it acquainted with that space first before you take it further. All right. You know, because when a dog is new to an environment, there's a lot of things for the dog to absorb. Um, you know, especially when dogs actually absorb the environment through their noses. Okay, so you want to take it slow and easy, you know, get the puppy acquainted with, you know, the, your immediate surroundings. If you live in a landed property, you know, you want to get it acquainted with your, your garden and then, you know, just like, just, you know, like probably like a grass patch outside your home. All right, and start that way. Um, you know, slow and steady wins the race, okay? Um, and so a flat collar is because a young puppy... Um, you know, hasn't had his, you know, like a lot of his, um, you know, a bone structure, okay, and a lot of his organs are, you know, they are fully formed, uh, you know, but they're still very, you know, um, fragile, um, so we want to put the dog on a flat collar, um, I don't even want to put a dog on a harness because some, some harnesses actually, like, restrict the dog's front uh, muscles, you know, especially the, the, the chest of the dog, um, and anything that's pressing against the chest of the dog, uh, you know, might actually, you know, change the gait of the dog, or might actually hurt the dog in terms of its muscles uh, development. Okay, so I just like to start with a very simple flat collar, uh, no martingale whatsoever. You know, I don't ever put a martingale collar or half throw or you know or any of the training collars on a puppy until it's close to six months old. Um, and before that, I just train the dog fully on a flat collar. I walk the dog fully on a flat collar and just you know a, a, a training line. Um, and so I want to suggest that, you know, the other thing that we should actually look into investing is a good training line. Um, you know, well, I've seen like some really cheap ones on Amazon for like $15. Um, you know, and I've gotten those before and, you know, those have been really, you know, sucky on the hands because if your puppy is, you know, as big as mine, I mean, I've got a big dog. So when she was a puppy, she wasn't that small either. And once the dog starts pulling... You know, you start to get rope burns. And once you get rope burns on your hands, it just doesn't feel nice. And when you don't feel good, you don't enjoy having your dog. You know, it becomes a pain uh, to walk the dog. Um, you know, so get something that feels really good on your hands. Get some, you know, go to the store, try out. Like, really, you know, like, like test it on your hands. You know, put it on your dog, you know, and walk it up and down uh, just in the store itself. Um, you know, and, and that's why I don't quite enjoy like online shopping because I don't get to try it out. All right. And I like to go to a brick and mortar store because it, in the shop, you know, I can actually feel how that leash works. I can feel how that the fabric of the leash, you know, I get to to feel like how good it is on my hands. Now, one of the things that's been going around that's really popular these days are biothane leashes. Now, um, while they're really good, I love them. Um, you know, but it may not feel so good on certain people, all right? If especially if you are a little bit sensitive on your hands, um, you know, or if you have sweaty palms, then, you know, the rubbery feeling might not feel so good on you, you know, so I would say definitely, like, go try it out, okay? I'm a bit more of a tactile person, so the biothane, like, like material works for me because, you know, I feel like I get a good grip on the leash, and when I get, when I feel like I got a good grip, uh, you know, because I'm quite heavy-handed by nature, um, you know, and when I feel like I've got good grip, I tend not to be so heavy-handed on my leash work, um, you know, and that helps me, you know, to, you know, to be a better, like, dog handler, all right. 
uh, and because lady is quite sensitive uh, on the color um, you know and so these are the things that actually help me to be a better handler so you want to look at you know the initial materials uh, and equipment that we are going to provide for our dogs um, and so these are like the just the four basic equipment um, you know that we can start out with uh, you know, and, and some of us are, you know, asking, you know, what kind of bowls should I get? Um, and that depends. Now, if you're actually going to be feeding your puppy raw, you don't want to get a porcelain bowl, okay? Because, uh, you know, the porcelain material or, you know, ceramics actually like absorb uh, liquid, okay? And over time, there's going to be bacterial uh, breakdown. So I want us to, you know, I want to like encourage us get a really good stainless steel bowl, um, you know, and don't get those cheap ones because the cheap ones are just, some of them are just stainless steel coating, all right? So make sure you get something that is of a quality stainless steel bowl, especially if you're feeding raw, uh, you know, because when a dog eats, um, you know, and especially when a puppy is still young, you know, it's going to take some time to eat. And when it takes time, you know, all that blood, you know, from, you know, the, the raw meat is just going to be sitting there. I mean, even if it's like frozen, and I mean, because we live in Singapore and it's a really, you know, hot and humid place, you know, our food gets defrosted really, really quickly. All right. So, so look into really getting a good stainless steel bowl, um, you know, don't scrimp on things like that because something like that is something that your dog is going to eat from every day. And it's not just once a day, especially if it's a young puppy, you know, we're going to be feeding that dog two to three times a day um, for a long time. And if you are like, if you, if you have a dog like mine, that's deep chested, you're going to be feeding your dogs like twice a day, at least, you know, it, I mean, right into like adulthood, right into the dog, like until the day the dog like breathes it last. So, you know, find something, you know, find, find good quality, like, like stuff, um, you know, that's going to get you through a long time. Okay. Um, you know, I, I mean, there are a lot of like really fancy, you know, bowls out there that look really, really nice. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm really tempted to get those, but over time I, I, I've, you know, I, I've stopped, I've just, I've just only gone for like really good quality stuff. Uh, you know, because my dog's tongue is going to be on it, you know, she's going to be eating off it. Um, you know, she's going to be licking it. Um, and I don't want her to be licking off stuff, you know, that's going to, that's going to have any metallic, you know, stuff that's going to come off over a period of time. Um, and having said that, you know, even like really good stainless steel equipment should be replaced, um, you know, because I tell you, uh, let me share why. Now, when we are feeding our dogs like two to three times a day, um, you know, we're looking at easily, right, in a week. Um, if it's a young puppy, we have to feed the puppy easily three to four times a day. Now, if we are looking at it, that means the dog is going to be interacting with that bowl minimum 28 times. Um, and in a month, you can multiply that and over a year. Okay, so, um, you know, so when we want, when you, when we are buying like a good stainless steel bowl, um, you know, we tend to, you know, use it for like five years and then forget about it. Okay, so so if you're going to be feeding your dogs raw and if you're feeding your dogs through, you know, out of that bowl all the time, even, even a good stainless steel bowl is probably only going to last you like, I would say, averagely three years. Um, you know, so you want to change that bowl out, you know, every three years. Okay, um, you know, and, and actually many, you know, Michelin restaurants do this. Okay. Um, you know, the good quality restaurants, um, we are paying like a lot for their food and stuff is because they change up their equipment, you know, like almost every year actually for some of the restaurants. Um, and they are using like good quality, like cooking stuff. Okay. Um, 
so you want to think about that so i would i would encourage us to change our like bowls every two to three years especially if you're feeding raw and it's on a stainless steel now even if you're feeding kibble like i am um you know and your dog is like licking stuff out out, out of that bowl change that bowl out every two to three years because um that's probably the lifespan of any good stainless steel like material okay um Yes, I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> I mean, that's going to be for the well-being of our dogs. Um, and, I, and these are some of the things that, you know, I find that um, we may not be so um, conscious of or we may not be so intentional about. So I'm just, you know, highlighting this in a podcast um, for us to consider. Uh, you know, and as a new dog owner, right, you're gonna be get you're gonna get really excited because there's so many like leashes, so many collars, so many harnesses, so many patterns, you know, out there. Um, <clears throat> so my suggestion is don't go out buying the whole store yet. You know, get something really good, get something really uh, you know, something that you're gonna be able to to work with your dog. Now, having said that, I usually get a really good leash. Uh, for myself all right and then i go to the store and i get like a ton of like really really cheap leashes the reason is because when we have a puppy um we don't want our puppy to be running all over the place but we also want our puppy to have some interaction time with us because they cannot be in the exercise pen and they cannot be in the crate all the time right so when we take the puppy out in in our in in, in our home environment to play with the puppy you want to put that puppy on a lead. Now, when we put our puppy on a leash, it's really much easier to manage our dog because if our dog is like walking in a, into a, to an area, you know, where we don't want it to go, we can always take it by the lead and bring it back to us, right? Now, when we leave the leash on a dog on a young puppy, the chances are the dog is probably going to eat up the leash because, <laughs> because the dog is actually in the midst of like teething. Okay, so this is what I do. Like I go up to like the, you know, there's, we have like a $2 store in Singapore and they have all these like tons of leashes for like $2. They're insipidsy leashes, um, you know, so they're not going to be able to like walk your dog if you have a big dog because they're really tiny. They're meant for like chihuahuas and like yorkies and all the small little breeds. But I buy up a ton of them. So because they're only $2, they're really, really cheap. I buy a ton of them and then, you know, I use it for the dog at home. Um, and so even if the dog like chews it up, uh, you know, it's not going to break my bank, okay, because it's like $2, all right? So that's my, that's my pro tip for you. Uh, you know, as a fosterer, you know, when I was like fostering puppies, this is, this is what I used to do. And I used to go to like the $2 store as well, you know, to get like toys because puppy like kill toys, right? Uh, you know, and they go through all these like stuff. Okay, so I have like really good toys, but at the same time, I have like really cheap ones, uh, you know, so that. Uh, the cheap ones are meant to like for the dogs to just like kill them and for the for the young puppy you know to get its teeth on uh because it's it's chewing and because you know like it's it's you know it's changing it's like you know it's just growing out its adult teeth and it really hurts their gums uh you know and they probably go through a ton of it um you know and the really good expensive ones you know are like kong toys because they're nice uh, good rubbery toys you know invest in really good toys okay um now, some of you might go, you know, I, Carissa, I don't really want to like pay $15 for a toy and then, you know, for my dog to like kill the stuffing. Now, those $15 toys are not meant to like leave it for your dog, okay? Those $15 toys that you are buying with your dog, you know, you're buying for your young puppy is for you to interact with your dog. So keep those like expensive ones uh, for you to play with your dog uh, and keep them away once, you know, you are done playing with your dog. And then like leave the like cheap ones, like the $5 ones, the $2 ones out for the dog to actually entertain itself. Okay, so this is actually how I use my materials and my equipment. Um, 
And then uh, what else can you get as a young, as a new dog owner? Um, I think one of the other things that you know uh, that everyone like really fusses about is either do I get a, a collar for my dog or do I get a harness for my dog? All right. Uh, I will probably cover this in a separate uh, podcast because there are actually uh, pros and cons to um, both of these tools. Uh, and I'm not going to say that, you know, collar is the only way. And I don't believe that the harness is also the only way because frankly, I've used everything. Okay. I've used, um, you know, in my 30 years of dog handling, I've used like the choke chain, the half choke, the martingale, the harness, uh, I've used, uh, you know, a flat collar. Uh, you know, I've used the prong collar. I've, I'm, you know, I've also used the e collar. Um, you know, I've used a ton of stuff. I've used the sleep leash. Uh, <laughs> I've used everything. Okay. Um, and I'm not gonna say you know one is better than the other. Frankly, I would say they are all equal to me. All right. So for me, tools are really very neutral for me. Um, you know, I don't really look at them, you know, as like one is better than the other. Um, but especially for a young puppy, all right, I would definitely say um, put a flat collar on a puppy and don't put a training collar on a puppy uh, because we don't want to hurt the puppies as a figures, all right. And even for a harness, you know, it might not be uh, useful for a young puppy, okay. Um, especially if we don't know how to fit it. And some harnesses actually don't fit like rescue dogs because rescue dogs are like a mismatch of certain breeds, um, you know, and some harnesses don't give you a, a proper fit. So you want to be able to like know which harnesses uh, will help to give your dogs a better fit, all right? Um, so having said that, um, you know, I would say, you know, I would say I always start on the flat, flat collar. I've never actually started on any other collar first. Um, I've always trained a dog first on the flat collar, um, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's the most neutral tool, um, you know, and it's, and, and for a young dog, it's also a safe tool. Okay. Um, so I would say, so these are some of the things that I would invest in. Uh, you know, some of you might also want to invest in a baby gate, um, you know, just so that, you know, you can actually, you know, um, maybe, you know, stop your dog from maybe climbing up the stairs, especially if you live like in an apartment or in a house that has got, um, you know, two stories, um, you know, so you want to think about some of those things. Um, and some of us may not want to actually grass, chain, uh, uh, grass train our dogs. We might actually want to potty train our dogs on a pee pad, um, you know. Um, so for, uh, for some of like, okay, so speaking on like pee trays and pee pad um you know i've got a lot of i mean i've heard a lot of owners who struggle with it all right so my suggestion is that if you want to actually potty train your dog indoors um you know go get like those cheap uh grass turf it doesn't have to be really expensive ones it can be you know those really cheap ones to start with if you're not very sure if your dog's going to take it put it on top of your potty tray um and the chances of your dog you know doing on that tray is going to be much higher okay so these are some some of the tips that um, you know, you can actually use with your tools and your equipment. Um, you know, so the second thing that we want to look at when we're looking at engagement with our dogs is my dog and I have the materials and the equipment for us to achieve success in our training. Um, and so how does all these like equipment help us to measure engagement? Um, it helps us in our engagement process with our dog is because, for example, like I said, if your dog, you know, has a nice crate, you know, if you have a quality good crate, you know, your dog is not going to feel really like warm inside that crate. And when your dog feels good in that crate, 
you know, and when your dog likes that crate, you are, as an owner, you are going to feel like a lot better. You are going to feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm, I, I love my dog. And a lot of us have a lot of concerns as dog, as dog owners because when we get a dog, you know, we're not out to torture the dog, right? I mean, nobody gets a dog to torture the dog unless you're a psychopath, all right? I've never met an owner who actually comes, uh, who actually gets a dog with a bad intention. I've never met one so far, or, okay? Um, and so when we feel good about it, uh, you know, our dogs will also feel good about it. And when our dog, and similarly, if our dogs feel good about, you know, uh, where they're sleeping, the, the equipment that they're using, we will also feel good about it. And when we do feel good about it, that helps us to create engagement. Now, these are just the very initial things about creating an engagement because engagement at the end of the day is about uh, building a relationship. Now, if we don't feel like good about our leashes or if we don't feel like, you know, our leashes are working for us, we're going to feel very frustrated when we, walk, walk, when we are walking our dogs. You know, when we, when we feel frustrated, our dogs feel it, okay? And our dogs pick up frustration. And, you know, um, and for dogs, um, you know, and for animals, they're just going to react to us instinctually. Um, you know, they don't really know how to process what frustration is. Um, you know, for them, they're just going to react to it, um, you know, just because they're animals, all right? So... So we want, so, and that might hurt our, our relationship process. That might actually hurt our engagement process. And when we talk about engagement, we're talking about, you know, the process taking to build a relationship, you know, so that we can actually have, uh, we can actually have a, a better, you know, relationship with our dogs. Um, you know, and so if we don't feel good, or if our dogs don't feel good, and we don't feel good, um, the cycle continues, all right? So can I suggest um, for us to actually take stock of the, materials and equipment that we have um you know look at what we have uh, as or if you're or if you're a new dog owner you haven't gotten a dog yet you know speak to you know a seasoned owner get their you know get their input on um you know the brands or the stuff that they've been using you know and dog owners are more than happy to share you know what has worked for them uh, what has not worked for them all right um so that's it for today i just want to thank you for you know listening to me ramble again um, and thanks for all, you know, your encouragement and thank you for letting me know, uh, you know, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I look forward to hearing your comments and your input on how I can actually make this podcast more relevant and helpful as you, you know, uh, journey with your dog. See you the next time. Hi, everyone. Sorry for the long hiatus. Uh, it's just been a really busy holiday season. And this is Carissa. We're back with the Royal Tail Podcast. And today's um, episode, what I would like to address is the second statement that helps us to gain better productivity and engagement uh, on our training journey. And that statement is, my dog and I have the materials and equipment for us to achieve success in our training. Now, you know, last year when COVID hit us, there was a scramble for laptops or iPads and better internet bandwidth for our homes. Why? Because all these equipment helped us to gain better productivity, um, you know, from home. Uh, because the majority of us had to work from home. Now, some of my clients' offices actually gave them like allowance to upgrade whatever equipment they needed to gain, uh, you know, to improve their working environment at home. Which I thought was really, really nice. Um, and that's also important, isn't it? Because um, having the right equipment is related to our well-being. Imagine if you had a boss telling you to upgrade your own work computer with your own money during the COVID season. How did you feel? 
I mean, you probably will feel like he didn't care about you as a person or, 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 or a member of his employees, right? And you probably would be like, why would you want to do more work for this boss? <laughs> like, why would you want to even put in, you know, extra additional hours or, you know, going or having to go through all the inconveniences that COVID threw at us, right? So having the right equipment, for example, like a good chair can help us physically. Now, when our physical needs are being addressed, um, you know, that can that will be able to translate into our emotional needs because we feel like, you know, uh, you know, our the organization cares about us and when that happens, um, you know, we would want to actually put in more effort into our work and hence we will be more productive. So similarly in dog training, getting quality equipment is also very important. So let's take the example of one tool that we all use as dog owners, um, and that is the leash. Now, can you imagine getting rope burns twice a day from walking a dog? Would that make you want to train your dog to walk to walk better? No, you'll probably dread it after you know, like after a week because it's so painful, right? Now we all don't want rope burns, and we don't want to like you know have our dogs pull at the leash, um, you know, to the point where you know our arm is probably gonna like you know be dislocated. So you see, so when we get like good equipment. Um, it's, it, it can really help us to actually make uh, you know, our training journey a lot more enjoyable, not just for us, but also for our dogs. Now, do you think that our dogs like to pull? No, frankly, they don't because you know, they will probably feel the collar pressure and that's something really uncomfortable for them. And even if you use a harness, you know, it becomes you know, also uncomfortable for them uh, you know, because we are stopping them all the time. Right. And dogs really love to sniff the ground, you know, they like to explore. And imagine if you have to always stop like every two seconds of your walk. Now you're gonna frustrate your dog. And when you frustrate your dog, you're gonna frustrate yourself. <laughs> okay. So this so I'm not here to share whether a harness is better or a, a or collar is better or whatever. I mean I'm not really here to say that because we are all wired so differently and we have different dogs and um, you know, and there are going to be certain things or certain tools that we won't be able to put on a certain on a particular dog for, um, you know, for instance. So, for example, like one of my current like dogs in training now, that a fosterer actually helped ask me to help her out. Um, actually, is afraid of the leash. Um, technically, he's not really afraid of the leash, but he doesn't enjoy, um, you know, a pressure from a collar. Okay, and he doesn't know like. He wasn't introduced to a collar pressure um, in the right way. So, and he would, and he's also very, very sensitive, um, you know. And so this is one dog that I probably, you know, would not um, put a prong on his collar at this moment in time because he's so sensitive that, you know, that if, um, you know, that if the prong closes in, you know, he might actually want to like pull more. He might want to actually buckle more, on, um, you know, on that. So it's just getting him, um, you know, to be acquainted with, very, very little leash pressure, very, very little collar pressure at this moment in time to just get him to, you know, understand, you know, what is this string that's coming out from his neck, you know, and how is that going to make his life enjoyable? And so we took our first walk downstairs today and for the first time he was like, oh, this is not bad. Like, you know, I get to go out and he was really quite happy after a while he actually followed me along. So um, now if a lot of like, owners actually come and ask me, you know, like, um, you know, Carissa, like, what's the best, um, you know, equipment to get of, of all the things, like, what would be the equipment to get? And I would say, 
if you have a dog or a young dog, the best equipment and the one equipment that you should have is the crate. Um, you know, I see so many posts on like social media of dogs eating the couch, um, you know, destroying items or even jumping out of the apartment uh, because it got spooked or something that it was scared of. Now, all these could be very, very easily prevented by simply crating the dog when we are not home or crating the dog when we are not able to super supervise it uh, closely. Uh, you know, and there's also like people, you know, going around, you know, saying that we should not do that. Um, you know, but frankly, when we create a dog, I mean, we don't allow a dog to get into bad behavior. The dog will never learn that behavior because once the dog finishes a behavior, that is when the dog learns it. And if the dog is not, you know, given an opportunity for to learn another behavior at that time, that is when, that is how bad behavior sets in. Now, bad behavior is also relative because it depends on our lifestyle, depends on our, you know, depends on what we want. And oftentimes, when a dog does something so-called bad, it's just bad because it's in conflict with us humans. It's in conflict with, you know, the way we want to live. It's in conflict with, you know, um, uh, for example, our home environment. Now, if your dog is eating up your couch and you have to buy like a couch every other week, yeah, you know, that is in conflict with you and your family, right? Um, you know, so recently, you know, I, I mean, usually when people come to my home, they're really, you know, surprised because I have like stuff, you know, that any dog, like any young dog will probably want to get into. Um, you know, I don't really have things that are above a dog's level. Um, I have food on the floor. I have treats in boxes that's on the floor. Um, you know, and people are usually very curious because they're like, um, you know, do you mean that none of your dogs at home actually get into, you know, uh, the food and all the other things? And usually my, my answer is always no. The dog just simply does not have the opportunity to, to do something that it's not supposed to do, okay? And because, uh, you know, especially for young dogs. Now, let me explain why. Because young dogs are very curious creatures, Right. When a dog is in, a, in, in his puppyhood, you know, they will love to explore. And it's not their fault if they break into your treat jar because it was left on its own to explore without any supervision. And, you know, it's not fair to the dog to be able to, like, discipline him afterwards and say, no, you're not supposed to do that. Um, you know, because in the first place, um, you know, it wasn't given clarity uh, of its expectations. And that is the reason why um, you know, I do not allow any dog that I have been training, you know, to have unsupervised freedom. It's because, it's not because, you know, I want to be cruel to them. But it's because I want to be fair to them. I want to be kind to them. I want them to have clarity on what's really expected and what's not, what is not expected. I want to make that very, very clear. But most of all, I want to be able to, um, most of all, I want to be able to say that, they can actually, you know, that that I am actually responsible, okay, for, for their behavior. And when I'm not around, there is, I won't be present to actually be there to say, I'm sorry, you can do this, but you can't do that, you know. And when, and, and when, we, when we think about that, you know, um, and then some of us will get into this whole argument about, you know, we need to punish the dog, will you not punish the dog? You see, in the first place, if you prevent the dog from, you know, getting into your treat jar when it's not supervised, um, 
you won't even need to think about punishment. You won't even need to think about corrections because the dog would have no opportunity to do that. Um, you know, and as they grow, you know, and as they mature, um, you know, because they have never gotten into your treat jar on its own before, um, they will never see the need to do that. And when they don't see the need to do that, that's when, you know, the dog is able to enjoy freedom. The dog is able to, you know, roam around the house on its own uh, because it has gained appropriate understanding of the human world. Okay, so, you know, before uh, I, I just want to, before I end this podcast, I want to say that, you know, before you really go and purchase, you know, whatever, um, you know, piece of equipment, okay, don't just look at the aesthetics of the equipment. Uh, the most important is ask yourself, is this piece of equipment going to help me, uh, you know, to gain better productivity? Is it going to help me to gain, you know, more enjoyment out of, you know, training? Is it going to help me, you know, to, is it also going to be comfortable for my dog? And is it also going to be comfortable for the for, for me as the user, right? Okay, so some of the equipment out there are really good for some of us and some of the equipment out there will hinder some of us, all right? So remember, someone's meat might be your poison. Okay, so don't go around, you know, so be careful when you're going around, you know, recommending stuff. Um, you know, whenever I'm thinking about, you know, recommending equipment, I usually go and do a lot of, you know, I usually question um, you know, the owner a lot more. I want to find out more about their lifestyle. I want to find out more about, you know, what kind of dog they have, what kind of difficulty they have. Are they more of a tactile person? You know, that kind of thing, etc., etc. Because then I'm able to be able to give them a choice of different uh, equipment for them to choose from. You know, I think it's really important for us to to have that kind of awareness, you know, and in, in this respect, we are able to give space to one another. In this respect, you know, we won't be able to, uh, we won't be torn between those very conflicting, uh, you know, um, conversations that we have, uh, you know, because a lot of the conversations that we have today seem to be very polarized. Um, and frankly, dog training is not a yes or a no, okay? It's very nuanced, all right? So thank you for listening to me ramble again. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I hope I've given you something to think about, um, you know, and to, you know, chew on and to also, you know, maybe evaluate your equipment at home to see how it's serving you. And uh, feel free to drop me a question if you have some questions about this podcast. Um, you know, you can drop me a question on Instagram, um, uh, on The Royal Tale, or you can actually email me at theroyaltale at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Have a good day, uh, week ahead. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Royal Tail Podcast. I'm Carissa and by day I'm an employee engagement coach. When I'm not helping humans be better managers and build engagement with their team members, I'm building my own team with my rescue mongrel named Lady May. Through this podcast, it's our hope that you'll gain ideas and insights into fostering positive relationships with your furry best friend. So we'll cover dog training concepts and give you bite-sized applications that you can readily apply. We hope to hear from you on what you would like us to discuss and thank you for listening to us.